Welcome to Holistic Sex Ed Radio, where we are changing the way parents talk to their kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe in our rapidly changing world. You are your kid's best source of information and primary example. In these thought-provoking conversations, Robin and her guests seek to improve your relationship skills, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Now, here's your host, Robin LaCrosse. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Today we have a really amazing interview in store for you. I'm here with Dr. Gary Salyer. He's the creator of the Safe to Love Again and the Extraordinary Couples Retreats, along with a variety of other programs. He's a PhD and former graduate professor and the author of The Safe to Love Again, How to Release the Pain of Past Relationships and Attract Your Soulmate. After Dr. Gary's first divorce, he vowed that his next marriage would be different. So when his second marriage crumbled almost a decade later, for nearly the same reasons, he was devastated. He felt like an utter, complete failure. But rather than give in, he was determined to find another way. He committed to not being that guy who bounced from marriage to marriage, never really learning anything. He dedicated himself to doing the deep research about all things love. He dove into the deep transformational work that unlocked his heart and released his soul to love as he had always imagined. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, I love that. Thank you, Dr. Gary, for being with us today. I'm so happy you're here. Well, thank you for having me, Robin. It is great to be here. You know, in your bio, you were saying that, you know, you mentioned your two marriages and they fell apart and how painful that was. Many of us, myself included, have been through significant relationships that have fallen apart or have imploded and our hearts have been broken, our lives upended. And how can we like recover from these devastating heartbreaks? Every time someone goes through a divorce, there is the feeling of worthiness that gets that takes a pre, pretty big hit. Sometimes it might be protected if it was an abusive relationship. Sometimes it might be the feeling of empowered. You might feel like you were totally disempowered. The key is to really to work on restoring those feelings that you are worthy of love, that you deserve to be protected and you deserve to feel empowered in a relationship. If you're going to heal, and people say, you know, learn to love yourself. <laughs> what does that mean? It mm-hmm. means to restore these original feelings that tell our brain how to be loved. And we've got to feel worthy and cherishable and protected and empowered to be able to go on and pick somebody right the next time. So I think that's the key, restoring the feelings of worthiness. So how do you go about, like, restoring those feelings? Well, you know, in my book, I talk quite a bit about that. There are four feelings that tell every brain that's on the planet, uh, that they're loved. And those feelings are welcomed with joy and worthy and nourished, cherished and protected and empowered by choice. The, the problem is that if we feel unwelcomed or unworthy or uncherished or disempowered, our brain uses those feelings to pick and choose. So if we're going to heal up, We have to get our brains and our bodies to feel welcomed. Welcome people don't go out and choose people that that don't treat them well. (laughs) Empowered people don't go out and choose people that will dominate them. So the key for for moving on from a a relationship that was painful and wasn't right 
uh, to one that is right, that one, one that can last, is you've got to take out any of those old feelings we usually get them from childhood, unwelcome or unworthy, and to get your brain to upgrade. So it's using the, the secure feelings as a reference for how it picks and chooses and maintains. If you're using the four good ones, you pick and naturally create and create and maintain better relationships. If you don't, you'll be on a, you'll use the same old feelings and then you'll be in that kind of groundhog day and you'll wonder why the next dates and the next relationships have the same pattern and feeling. Okay. And when you say pick and choose, you mean like you're picking and choosing like potential partners and that sort of thing? Yes. Okay. After divorce, most people want to find love again. That's Absolutely. What mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and whatever feelings we get, we're having, the brain uses those. So that's why we don't want to, if we find we're feeling unworthy, our brain will use that to pick and choose. And then we will feel unworthy again. So we want to, we want to make sure we feel in the core of our being, gut level, bo- you know, body-based, I am worthy. Yeah. And I am empowered. Those two feelings are especially important because there's an epidemic of unworthiness out there. Yeah, that's really true. And you said, too, that these come from childhood. I'm not saying it doesn't come from later uh, experience. I mean, if you've been ghosted seven or eight times in a row, the feeling, oh, gosh, what am I, chop liver? Am I enough? That can happen. But for most people, when attachment theory, it's basically the science of how our brains are wired to love and be loved. In attachment theory, we know that the period from zero to three is where we, we get certain rights or not rights, a right to be loved or not to be loved. And our brain uses these rights. We're always having the experience that we have the rights for. And I talk about six in the book. Uh, you have a right to exist. That means to be in the world and to be in your body and to feel like the world is your cozy oyster. Or a right to reach out and have your needs met. So it's okay to reach out and ask and receive and take, you know, instead of being giving and giving and giving. A right to be a me and a we. I call that a right to separate and belong. So you get to be me, but also we. Someone's got your back. Someone's going to be protecting you. There's also a right to create your own experience instead of somebody creating it for you. There's a right to assert and have a voice and have your whims uh, in a relationship, and both people do. And then there's the right to love and be loved right back. Uh, if we get all six, then we go on and we create really great and we choose really great relationships. But when we don't, say we don't have a right to have our needs met, we will find someone as a taker because we don't have that right. <laughs> or if we don't have a right to assert or create our experience, we'll find someone who dominates us. So we want to make sure we have these rights restored in our brains so we can actually create lasting love. And it seems like to me, too, like if we're trying to get these needs met, not only maybe are we looking for these in romantic partners, but we may also acquire these types of attract these kinds of people like in our friendships or maybe in our employers or things like that, too. Oh, absolutely. I I talk about that in the third chapter. It's called Love is the Operating System. One of the very first clients I, I ever had that kind of showed me that love doesn't stay in a little tiny corner to love it. It tends to branch out into other areas, especially these rights. Uh, she came to me because she didn't have much of a right to have her needs met, which meant that the men were always takers. They didn't give much. And a lot of times they were married. You know, a married man can't give you what you want either. That'll, <laughs> you know, right? You know? Yes. So, when we first started working on it, we swapped out this married taker. She got both in the same great package, right? 
And then she's, when we give her back a right to have her needs met, she feels worthy in her core. She picks someone who's a, who's a pretty good boyfriend. And he's got really lots of potential and he's a giver. And then a few sessions later, she comes in and we're working on some other rights. And she goes, you know, I just noticed that uh, my roommate is a taker. You think there's same things working with her? I go, yep, bingo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she swaps out, you know, a better roommate. And then about a few sessions later, she goes, you know, she was an entrepreneur. She had a business. She goes, I'm struggling in my business sometimes because I give away way too many freebies and I don't charge my value like my coach is telling me to. She goes, is this related to? Mm-hmm. I go, yep. So by working on love and we restoring the, just the feeling of worthy, she not only got a better boyfriend and a better relationship, she got a better roommate and she got a better business. All of that was one, one right that the brain uses because worthy is going to affect everything. So it's really important. Every woman that's worked with me in love that had a business got a better business. In 12 years, there have been zero exceptions. That's amazing. It is. So basically what we need to do is figure out like which of these rights maybe that we didn't get in our childhood or have maybe suffered as a, some of our adult experiences and then go about re like repatterning those or how do we, how do we like heal that? Well, we have to restore the reference feeling that I talk mm-hmm. Worthy gives us the right to reach out. Welcome gives us the right to resi- to exist. Cherished and protected. That feeling gives us a right to separate and belong to have support. And empowered with choice gives us the right to create our experience and a right to assert. It's giving you those feelings rather than unwelcomed or unworthy. There's ways you can get a brain to truly feel worthy again. And you you just got to go back and find out the moment it was not safe reaching out, not safe feeling worthy. And give the, if you can find the exact flavor of safety, the brain needs to feel worthy again. Mm-hmm. Feel empowered again. And it really is safety. You got to be careful. You just can't say, oh, go feel worthy. At one point, you didn't feel that way, especially in some families. Then the brain will gladly take it. It will always, it once took the best deal available. Mm-hmm. For me, growing right. up, I had a borderline mother. And I had way more right to separate than to belong, which meant that distance was a good thing because if I was found in that room and I was seen and I was, I was a wee with her, you could get bounced off a wall very easily. So separation felt good. Uh, separation felt safe. Right. Now, what I didn't realize is when my first marriage, when she said, I feel lonely, I loved her dearly, but I didn't realize that some part was still seeking distance and separation to feel safe. Mm-hmm. That was what was safe. Did I love her? Yes. But love equaled distance. And the problem is, is we get these old safety protocols in our brain from early experience or even past relationships. It can happen later in life too. Sure. Uh, we get these old safety protocols, but nobody ever gives it an expiration date. And the real key is to go into the brain and give it an expiration date because those things aren't helping us anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this was great. It saved my life and went back whenever it needed to. And now this doesn't serve me anymore. Exactly. You know, hanging up in my room all by myself, 
to avoid this borderline mother when I was eight and nine and 10 studying science projects was a salvation thing. Being in my office, really learning, you know, doing a PhD and coming out only to say hi and, and or I love you, but she felt, felt lonely. That's not a good deal. <laughs> right. You know, and I could not see that because it was like old shoe leather. Um, right. And a lot of our paths, most couples, what they've done is they've, they've picked each other for exactly the missing right mm-hmm. that they're experiencing because they only have rights for that. And then they get, you know, they get, they get upset with each other. And it's, a, it's almost a revelation when you can show people your brain picked them for each other, for the exact flavor of misery you've got from them. And now we can say thank you for the safety you've given some part of my brain. How can we choose better? Mm-hmm. And, the, and if you're a couple out there, the winning key is to look at all that, that frustrating pattern. And, and if you can say, not make each other wrong, but make the pattern the problem. Once right. you, that's the first move I do is to, to let couples know, stop making the partner wrong and make the pattern the problem. Now there's a we, two people looking at the pattern. Now you've got the first step toward a we. And right. that's the winning key. Mm-hmm. And you've got the awareness that, that yeah. there's something deeper going on here. Exactly. It's always, and it's a matter of the feelings. Uh, sometimes I have to work at getting my the husbands <laughs> to get that. But if mm-hmm. they do, it's life-changing for their, their relationship. Track the feelings and, you, and, and your wife will not be a mystery anymore. Mm, imagine that imagine that (laughs) Mm -hmm, yes (laughs) Uh, so we're going to take a quick commercial break and when we come back we are going to talk about our attitudes around relationships can imprint on kids live up to your fullest potential this is the voice america empowerment channel Whether you are dealing with your child's latest tantrum or disagreeing with your partner about finances, you find yourself having conversations you'd rather not have every day. It's easy to see why we'd rather avoid talking about it. Yet putting off a difficult conversation today can lead to an even bigger problem tomorrow. How do you say what needs to be said and get the results you want without triggering their defenses and risking another disagreement that accomplishes nothing? It's time for a different approach. Robin's five-week course, Be Persuasive, How to Have Successful Conversations, outlines a step-by-step approach for the results you want from your most important and hardest conversations. You'll discover how to have more harmonious relationships through better communication, raise difficult issues without backing others into a corner, maintain your focus no matter how the other party reacts, and resolve problems once and for all. Visit HolisticSexEdRadio.com to find out more. That's HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Are you looking for a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Do you want your business to thrive? Do you want to enjoy better relationships and find your purpose? Tune in every week to Stepping Into the Ten Da Dao Chung Life Transformation with Dr. and Master Shaw with host Diana Gold Holland, who will share the wisdom of Master Shaw. You'll hear from inspiring teachers and listen to testimonials about life transformation. Stepping Into the Ten Da Dao Chung can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. in the West and 6 p.m. in the East on Voice America Empowerment. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at holisticsexedradio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. We're back. So I wanted to talk a little bit to, you know, how parents are role models. And so we are always role modeling relationships, specifically our our romantic relationship with our partner. And maybe we're single or, you know, whatever the case may be. But when we have had experiences where we don't feel like it's safe to love and we have certain thoughts or beliefs around love or relationships, what are the chances of our kids like being past that thought and belief? Oh, this is, this is very interesting. Um, we know attachment theory is, we found out back in the 80s and 90s uh, from the research of somebody called Mary Main. And she found out that stories, the way we tell our stories has a lot to do with, with you know, it's revealing what's called our attachment style. And just to backtrack a second, there's three major attachment styles that most people have. There's a fourth one, but we won't get into it on this show. Uh, They're secure. Those people feel very comfortable in a relationship, giving and receiving, being dependent on, and they usually pick lasting relationships. There's also the anxious. They got intermittent responses. And so some part says, love's here, not here. Love here, not here. And they're always afraid that love, when is love going to go away? And they have a fight response and they become like the drama kings and queens of the, year, of the universe. Where were you last night? Why didn't you text me after 10, 10 minutes? You still love me? And so they create this anxious attachment. Then there's the avoidance. The avoidance didn't get a lot of attention at all. Uh, and <clears throat> the avoidance have a flight response. So they, are, they tend to not want to commit. They're afraid of depending and being depended upon. Mm-hmm. And they tend to be very dismissive of emotions or fearful of getting in relationship. So these are these three broad ways that people tend to have. They're called love styles or attachment styles. What we know is not only does the, the way someone tells their story reveal their attachment style, but those stories have been found to predict the attachment style of their children with 85% accuracy. How you talk about your, your childhood and your, your past life with love will tell your children what attachment style to have too. And what we know is you can track these anxious avoidant or secure stories for up to six generations. So how we talk to our children about love has about 85% ability to predict that they will have the same experience as we do. Wow. Yeah, that's, and if we didn't have a good experience, that's kind of sad. <laughs> it's like, oh, crap. How can I, like, help my kid and not have the same experience, you know? 
Yes, and it's very important for us to to learn how to tell. But you know, you can't just anxious or avoid and start up and telling uh, a secure story. That's why you have to restore. You know, what I do when I work with clients is I restore the attachment style. And one of the one of the later things I do by restoring these feelings. But later on, we have to work on how do you tell that story? Uh, I, there was a chapter I took out of the book in which I told my story three different ways. Like the anxious 17-year-old, mm-hmm. the avoidant, twice-divorced <laughs> 45-year-old, 48-year-old, right? And then the secure version of who I am now. Right. And okay. they were very different stories. Very different stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we want to do is let our children know that uh, it's safe to depend on somebody and be dependent upon. Now, love doesn't go away for no good reason, <laughs> like the anxious reason. That and it feels good to depend on, be dependent on, that we have the right to be in the we, right? And we can teach children this. I've had a, two couples that we worked on teaching their children this, this, this because I talk about these four feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had coffee cups <laughs> at one of my events. I had the four feelings on it. And one couple, you're going to love this story. They had a three and a five-year-old. And they mm-hmm. wanted the, the two boys to learn love and feelings early. We're going to teach these boys to have feelings, right? There you go. Uh-huh. So at, at suppers, they talked about how to welcome each other with joy and worthy and nourished and cherished and protected and empowered with choice, the four feelings that tell your love. And then the day came. When the three-year-old takes a truck and whacks the five-year-old across the head, and the five-year-old turns and says, I don't feel very cherished and protected. (laughs) So imagine when these two boys grow up. Right. They are giving, and they only receive, and they are tracking how does my girlfriend or my wife feel welcomed, worthy, cherished, and empowered today. Imagine how that woman's going to feel with a child that grows up to be a man who, who is tracking and using these feelings in a relationship. Now, you can teach this stuff early, and we yeah. should teach it early. Yeah, that's, we can totally change the world by what we teach our kids. I really believe that. Oh, absolutely. And now the other one, uh, he had been through a, an egregious divorce in which with uh, a borderline mother who got custody and really messed up these two kids. Mm-hmm. He, they, she just dropped him off at the doorstep and took off and it was never seen again. But after having four years, uh, one was anxious, the other was avoiding. And he's and working with me, he says, how do I deal with this? So uh, once, one week a month over supper, all they did was, they had cups. <laughs> All they did was talk about welcome with joy. Next week, worthy and nourished. Next week, cherished and protected. Next week, empowered with choice. Rinse and repeat. And it was really cool. About three or four months into it, he was going to a PTA meeting with his daughter. And she looks at this teacher. He goes, Daddy, she doesn't do welcome with joy very well. (laughs) (laughs) And within about five to six months, their attachment styles, they calmed down and they, and, and it shifted to secure. Mm-hmm. Now, he got a full-time nanny to, that used the same thing and they worked just on restoring as a, in normal things, normal day, the day-to-day things, you know, 
these four feelings, and lo and behold, these children absorb the four feelings, they get more secure. So uh, we can do a lot with kids to teach them a secure love style if we put our conscious attention on I think that, you know, I think that it's great that there's hope for reinstate, you know, or develop some of these feelings and, and hopefully move forward in a positive direction. There is hope. If the brain took the best deal available at one time, it will take the best deal again. Mm-hmm. All we have to make it safe. I've seen numerous what you call attachment miracles. You, the other thing that keeps us out of relationships and love is, is hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And hopelessness is usually a filter. Uh, what I found out in most clients is the brain, people will say, well, there's no good ones out there. All good ones are all taken, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the brain starts deleting any of the good ones that are out there. Oh, no. <laughs> As a preemptive way to make sure they don't get in a relationship and get hurt. It's all protection. Mm. Is a, hopelessness is a filter designed to protect you, but the medicine is worse than the disease. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. uh, but real hope is there. And the hope is you can have the love you deserve. Lasting is possible. It's just using these four feelings. Even with couples that I work with, because I work with singles and couples, I, I can ask this question on a scale of one to 10. How welcome do you feel with each other? Worthy, cherished, and empowered. And I have a pretty good idea where the marriage is and what's wrong, all, just from the first 10 minutes. And I often have couples and singles can use the same thing after a few dates right you, uh, you might use it in your head more of a single but i have couples on sunday night say okay on a scale of one to ten how welcomed honey did i make you feel this week how worthy how cherished and how empowered and if any of those are under nine then you say then how could i have done better mm-hmm. and then you switch that's and now if you're tracking those four feelings and you're giving them and making sure the repairs go a lot easier. You're more specific. Well, you know, when you yelled at me, I didn't feel very worthy or I didn't feel cherished or whatever the feeling was. Right. Right. These, so use these. If you're single, after four or five dates, you want to know, is this Mr. Right? And don't use the list. Well, he's a doctor, a lawyer, you know, you know, and he's six two, right? And he looks right. all those things. And he does Pilates, right? You want to ask yourself, how welcomed, how worthy? How cherished, how empowered. I had a client, she was single, and she comes in the first session. She goes, I've hit Mr. Jackpot. Mm-hmm. I'm always interested in Mr. Jackpot. He was about 6'3, good looking, attorney, and he, you know, and he understood love languages and he did Pilates. Oh goodness. But she had a miss, she didn't feel very worthy or cherished. That was her, those were her missing rights, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, about five weeks later, she comes in. She goes, I'm so honked at this guy. She goes, yeah, he likes Pilates. He likes checking out the women. (laughs) Uh (laughs) So not very welcome. I mean, not very worthy, not very cherished, right? Right. And he was, by using the list, instead of your natural GPS for love, Mm -hmm. she got got led down the, the, the golden path of what's wrong. Now, after a few more months of working together, we had these feelings, right? She, she was dating two guys she had met on Tinder, right? And I, this guy was another Mr. Jackpot, except this time he was a doctor. And then there's this other guy. This other guy was nice, professional, solvent, not quite as high income, about 20 pounds over and shows up in a wine t-shirt, a little balding. 
but he made her feel like a queen. Mm-hmm. He did worthy and cherished in his sleep. <laughs> she went with him. Good move, yes. Good move. And what led her to the right guy was this beautiful way of just you of feeling worthy and welcomed and noticing you have the rights for it so she would only take it. Mm, perfect. So that's how it works for singles and couples. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And on that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And if you've been enjoying these conversations, I would like to invite you to sign up for Intimate Conversations Membership. Each month, you will receive bonus content that will help you take these conversations even further, expand your knowledge, and increase your learning. To sign up, just go on over to my website, holisticsexedradio.com, and click Intimate Conversations. And for just $10 a month, you will get an email with all these juicy little tidbits. And we'll be right back. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Whether you are dealing with your child's latest tantrum or disagreeing with your partner about finances, you find yourself having conversations you'd rather not have every day. It's easy to see why we'd rather avoid talking about it. Yet putting off a difficult conversation today can lead to an even bigger problem tomorrow. How do you say what needs to be said and get the results you want without triggering their defenses and risking another disagreement that accomplishes nothing? It's time for a different approach. Robin's five-week course, Be Persuasive, How to Have Successful Conversations, outlines a step-by-step approach for the results you want from your most important and hardest conversations. You'll discover how to have more harmonious relationships through better communication, raise difficult issues without backing others into a corner, maintain your focus no matter how the other party reacts, and resolve problems once and for all. Visit HolisticSexEdRadio.com to find out more. That's HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Do you find yourself thinking that you're not good enough or that you're not lovable? Do you sometimes feel that there is something wrong with you and that you're hiding something? These are more common thoughts than you would think. It's time to talk about this. Tune in to Where Words Can't Reach, Shedding Light on Our Dark Side with Dr. Madeline DeLittle, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. We're back and... Dr. Gary, I would love to talk about like how can we raise our boys to be great men? It's interesting because I was a single father too. And he's now 36. 
And a couple of years ago, I got a Father's Day card. That, and he said, thank you for showing me how to be a good man. And it's, you know, I get touched by the Father's Day cards, but that one I cried on. <laughs> the biggest thing that men get, get really hit on, it's the male sex role that's killing us. That we can't have our feelings. We have to be the strong ones all the time. We, and there's a lot about dominance and grandiosity that comes with it. And he points out that when you look at male grandiosity and all the stuff with attachment and not having feelings, there's not enough bad mothering and fathering out there to, <laughs> to account for it. There's got to be something cultural going on. I think it's really, really important for us to make sure that, it, that at every age we're uh, recommending and making sure that our boys know it's okay to have their feelings. That, yes, men's brains from evolution, we have only a, an emotional processor on one side of the brain, the right side. The left is not. And that's for the, if we are out going out to hunt and that, and that wildebeest turns back on us, we need to be out of our emotions and into logic problem solving. But it was meant to be a survival. It wasn't meant to be a you know, tactic, not a way of being. Any more than we're supposed to be in fight and flight. We're not supposed to live in cortisol all the time, only when it's necessary. So the whole male sex role is, it's based on men are always in fight and flight, <laughs> not just normal. We got to let them know that it's, it's okay, that a man can be both. Terry Hill tells in one of his books, it's a story that's not mine, so I'll give him credit. He was uh, visiting with the Maasai, really great warrior clan in Africa. He wanted to understand what love looked like in you know, more indigenous cultures. And one day he's at a campfire and he's got his interpreter and he asked the chief, who's a fierce warrior, what makes a great warrior? And the guy looks at him and he says, a good warrior. Notice the word. <laughs> a good warrior is the most fiercest of warriors and can protect you know, and do all that, right? A good warrior is also a man who can show compassion and kindness and love. He says, a great warrior is the warrior who knows when is the time to do one and when is the time to do the other. Mm. <laughs> I love that story. He was allowed to be fierce and go out and go after the wildebeest and protect, but he was also given permission to come home and be a, a loving, protective, caring father at home. That's what you, and we've got to give our boys a chance and the training and the, the, the freedom to grow up being a whole man, which is both sides. The great man is mm -hmm. the man to be protective and loving at the same time. Mm -hmm. So how can parents foster that in their kids? You have to mirror it. You have to, you have to be that. Nothing is more powerful for a boy to see a father kissing his wife for six seconds and saying, I love you, honey. <laughs> He needs to see that. <laughs> he needs to see them hugging. He needs to see when, she, when he has had a hard day, he will take a hug <laughs> from her, mm -hmm. um, that he can have feelings. I also believe that at times it's okay for a young boy to see their father cry. I don't see any reason why not. Absolutely. And it's okay to see his strength too. You know, I let my son see both. I don't know that I let him see him cry me all the time, but I let him see my full range of emotions and the fact that when needed, I could be Captain Kirk to the bridge. 
And he understands there's a Captain Kirk in me. It's okay to be compassionate too and understand it. And we have to model it and we have to let them know because when boys get into junior high, that role is going to dog them and come down on them like, a, like an avalanche. And we've got to keep encouraging them to not fall victim to the male sex role. Yeah, it's very prevalent in our society. Oh, all, it's everywhere. I, you know, and you don't get it, to be honest with you, just from men. You can get it from women, too. Sure. And I, I literally had a woman that when one of my dogs died, we were dating and she goes, and I cried. And she goes, I need a stronger man. It's like your dog I, just died. <laughs> Have a little compassion. Yeah. Well, I was really surprised. It's like, you know, because, you know, she's like, hey, I need a strong man. Right. And that relationship didn't last long because I was starting to do my work. Now, there was a day earlier I would have buckled up. Sure. Try to be a man. That's right. So, but luck, those are the new rules. I mean, for men to really, you know, the new woman has been, I, you know, she's not in a big woman's culture like cave woman where she was surrounded by females and had all this, this beautiful feminine energy feeding her emotionally, right? She's now coming home to a guy. Mm-hmm. And it's like I had one uh, a good friend of mine who was telling me that when she's at work, she was an executive, and it's, and it's very competitive there. And even with the women in the C-suite, you didn't show your feelings because everybody was too busy chasing the, the masculine ethic that's there at an executive office. She goes, but when I come home from work, I am starved for a female conversation. And there's none around. And I walk in the kitchen and there he stands. <laughs> you have to be able to give a woman an emotional-based conversation. It doesn't mean you're less of a man. You just and because that's what she needs. And how does a man do that? Like a lot of men out there are like, uh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. And they don't because we go into fix-it mode. Oh, you're upset. Well, this is what I do. Stay away from the fix-it. Just stay away from that. Right? Uh, you just concentrate on our feelings. I, I, when I when men get this, it's like, are you kidding me? It's like solves everything. I go, yeah, I told you it would. You know, it just resonates. Gosh, that must, you, you're upset. Tell me more. Oh, my God, you're feeling really sad. What's the worst part about that? Oh, that's really disempowering, honey. I am so sorry. Tell me more. You know, when she feels felt and not fixed, she's good. Yeah, and, and when you're asking those questions, she also feels heard, too. Like, there's this space for her to open up and share what she's been experiencing or feeling, which I think is really great. Yes. The problem is, under stress, the female brain throws eight times the blood flow at our emotional processing centers. Under stress, a man's brain throws eight times the amount of blood flow at his problem solving. <laughs> and you just got to know that's a bugging program and just stay with your feelings and a woman will feel felt. And she needs to because a lot of more and more society isolates women from their natural female environment where if emotions are acknowledged and, and reverberated back. And men have to provide it. I, I didn't change the rules. Those are the new rules of marriage. And it's, and it's good practice for us. We can get back in touch with our, our feelings too. And, you know, for most men, it's like we say, gosh, honey, 
I will climb any mountain. I will defeat any beast. You know, I will walk through fire and ice, right? Just don't make me feel my feelings. <laughs> right, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's like, it's not Godzilla coming after you. It's just a feeling. Mm-hmm. But when men feel fear, they will lose their man card. Then it becomes Godzilla. And we can have our man card that has feelings. Sure. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about fear. You were talking a little bit before about like feeling hopeless and you were mentioning cortisol and how it affects the body and stuff. And I was been curious actually, but when a person has like a lot of cortisol going, like they're say like in a stressful job or in a stressful environment that it's just like constant stress day after day after day after day. I've heard that cortisol helps to like shut down the prefrontal cortex and can like make you feel like this brain fog, make it really hard to, to make decisions. Um, is that true? That's true. It also shuts down your immune system, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is a bad deal. Yes. Right? Uh, and the brain was not, was not geared for running on stress like that. It cuts, you know, cortisol, you know, does all different things with your circulation. And one of them is it does. It, it stops blood flows because you don't need as much uh, blood flow to the prefrontal cortex as you do to your major muscles <laughs> if you're in fight or flight mode. The worst of it happens when people get stressed. And it's called a couple's fight, right? And uh, when, they, when that stress, and the worst thing about the work is, is if we have stress at work, it can come into the relationship. They have found that for couples that have come in from, you know, like marital rehabilitation therapy, there is one difference and only one difference between the couple that relapses and goes back and that which stays on track and stays lasting. And the masters are able to keep the stress from the day and, or, the, or their other life, maybe something's going on with family, from getting into the relationship, whereas the others let it come back in. It seeps in. And when there's stress and cortisol, turns off the prefrontal cortex, and there's, there's lack of empathy, there's lack of understanding, and the thing goes back. The one difference you can do to help everybody manage that cortisol is if, is if you're in a committed relationship or you've got even a good friend if you're single, to have what's called stress-reducing conversations. Mm-hmm. For 10 or 15 minutes, you listen to each other, and you're just an ally. You're just asking for feelings. There's no fix it, and you don't talk about the relationship. So you go, honey, how long should I? Oh, my God, I was late for work. And oh, tell, me, tell me more about that, you know. Oh, man, I said, man, that's, I can't believe he said that to you. You're a really good worker, honey. Now, you, what you don't do is say, well, you yeah, have been late three or four times this week. <laughs> you know, right. You know, you are an ally. You will, yes. and you focus on the feelings. That conversation keeps turns off the cortisol, allows the home and the and the marriage uh, or the partnership to be a safe haven. Mm-hmm. And then the brain can relax, and then your body can regenerate. And that's the and that's the big thing that keeps couples from relapsing or going on and being a. a Uh, a continually loving couple, Mm -hmm. a stress relieving conversation, focus on feelings, be an ally for 10 or 15 minutes, turn off the cortisol, which allows the love to flow without going backwards. Yeah, that sounds really great. And we will be right back.
Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Whether you are dealing with your child's latest tantrum or disagreeing with your partner about finances, you find yourself having conversations you'd rather not have every day. It's easy to see why we'd rather avoid talking about it. Yet putting off a difficult conversation today can lead to an even bigger problem tomorrow. How do you say what needs to be said and get the results you want without triggering their defenses and risking another disagreement that accomplishes nothing? It's time for a different approach. Robin's five-week course, Be Persuasive, How to Have Successful Conversations, outlines a step-by-step approach for the results you want from your most important and hardest conversations. You'll discover how to have more harmonious relationships through better communication, raise difficult issues without backing others into a corner, maintain your focus no matter how the other party reacts, and resolve problems once and for all. Visit HolisticSexEdRadio.com to find out more. That's HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Hi, my name is Cass Thomas, and I'd like to invite you to join me and my friend Monish Malotra for our show Beyond Love, Sex, and Other Drugs. We'll be talking about abuse, exclusion, relationship, addictions, possibilities, LGBTQI, and more. Is it time to create the life you truly desire? Join us, Beyond Love, Sex, and Other Drugs, every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This show can change your life. It's changing ours. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Welcome back. So, Dr. Gary, do you have any, like, final thoughts that you would like to share with parents just to kind of add on our conversation here today? Yeah. I mean, there's two things. Um, If you're a young child, what we know from attachment theory is secure attachment is made by attuned responses. Immediate, as attuned as you get. And if you don't get it right the first time, that's okay. We know from research that 70% of the time moms with babies make a response to that cry, they don't get it right. But what moms are really good at is going to plan B, C, D, E, and on for it. And eventually they will learn, oh, mom gets it, might not get it wrong, but she gets it right. And the whole thing of of uh, crying, letting the baby cry it out, that's been disproved. It's about contingent responses. If you want to turn your baby into anxious or avoidant, just give them, uh, let them cry it out, probably avoidant. So it's about responding in an attuned way. And the biggest thing I can say is, and I learned this years ago when I was uh, 22, I was reading a book in my marriage and family uh, degree. It was by Virginia Sictier. And it was a book called People Making. Mm-hmm. And the big thing that Satir makes 
uh, is that you're not parenting. You're people making. You are constructing a life. You're an architect, not a parent. And parents are the resident gods, you know, all this stuff. Do as I say and all that. But the real goal of a parent is to construct a life between zero and 20 so they can live and love productively from 20 to to 80 or beyond. Mm -hmm. Well, I was parenting my son from the moment he was born. I was always asking the question, what does he need? What do I need to put in so that he can live uh, well? When he was in Little League, you know, I found coaches that, you know, if you work hard and get really good coaching, uh, it's in key. I remember when he told me he wanted to be an all-star at nine. He was a pitcher. He wound up being a pitcher in college. And, and I said, well, I, I was never a pitcher. I was, you know, I was an outfielder, for God's sake. I was tracking basketball. I couldn't have, you know, thrown a ball. Anyway, but I said, it's not, he says, well, I want to work hard. And I said, Kenny, I can tell you that working hard is good. And when you need to work hard, but you need to work right. We need to get your right coaching. Mm-hmm. I said, because a lot of people work hard. And then they wonder why it didn't work well. So I taught him the value of getting coaching. Someone had really teaching. And, you know, and then later on, you know, there were all sorts of little tiny things, the perseverance. And when he went to college, when I dropped him off at college, he had a college ass, I gave him a set of keys. And I told him that, you know, when he was born, God gave me these keys that I was supposed to drive his car to the, to, to, uh, that's his life, to the corner of his dreams and his potential. And to make sure I don't drive him to mine. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. And his, not mine. Right, uh, it, you know, and I said, and these are the keys we put on: kindness, respect, hard work, perseverance, coaching. You know, there were like thirty-five of them. I said, if you continue to drive the car with these keys, your life will go well. You know, and uh, I can honestly tell you that to this day, he keeps those keys in his. Uh, in his in, in his house. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so great. Uh huh. So think about what builds a good life and build it in, you know, in an age appropriate way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many skills that we don't learn in school, and they're just kind of taken for granted. Like communication skills is a huge one. It's like we all know how to talk, but do we actually know how to communicate? Exactly. You're always adding it in. Um, and it's, you know, and every child is different, you know, uh, for him, I could put in a lot about hard work and coaching cause he was, uh, an athlete. Right. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, on the other hand, it, it, say I would have had a daughter that's piano. I would have just found piano lessons, you know, mm-hmm. might've learned even to, to read music, <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, which learned uh, by osmosis, uh-huh. <laughs> by osmosis. I would have mm-hmm. learned something. Yeah, well, and I think it's wonderful to be able to support kids in following their passions. And it sounds like you did a really great job in supporting your son to uh, to follow yeah. his dreams. And showing them how to be a success rather than, hey, you failed, just do better. This doesn't work. One of the more significant moments of my parenting, as much as I was trying, he had a fabulous coach at nine who was an executive at Pac Bell. And, and he was trying to learn how to pitch, and he, and he, he had a good arm. Um, but it was his first year. And one day I yelled, just, uh, just throw strikes, right? 
And, and he, Bob comes over me and he says, Dad, he says, what do you think he's trying to do? Throw balls? He says, that's not helpful. Telling him to follow through, telling him to raise his elbow, that's helpful, Gary. Mm-hmm. But telling him about the result ain't helpful. Telling him how to get a strike. Now, that's more helpful, Dad. Right. <laughs> and I learned, you know, and keep it simple. The, for emotion coaching is the heart of parenting. Emotion coaching, not just all the other things, right? And the heart of emotion coaching, uh, the masters give very little. Dis- what they do is they give very little instruction. They give a few instructions when they're telling a little kid what to do. And they sit back and wait for the first right thing they do and they praise them for them. Nice. The disasters will tell them how to, they will give them all these, these instructions and then wait for the first wrong thing they do. Right. And, and then they criticize them. Yep, jump so all over them. Mm-hmm. The other thing about parenting is be a great emotion coach. Be positive, give them few instructions, and wait, and you are looking for what they do right and keep it positive. This child will grow up to, to, to want to take risks. They'll want to enjoy learning. The other child will not. They will find it. It's okay to make a mistake. And the only way you can learn in life is to make mistakes. Show me someone that won't make mistakes, and I'll show you somebody that isn't a success. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 don't, I learned a long time ago, uh, I have to fail to win sometimes. Mm-hmm. And there are kids out there who are definitely afraid to try because they don't want to fail. Exactly. Failure is your friend, as you know. There's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. If you can teach your child that, you will raise a child, both daughters and sons, who know how to, to come, to roll the punches of life that do come and, just, and everybody make mistakes, but it's just feedback and they will learn to, to rise above them. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Gary. I really appreciate your time here today. And I know that you have some love notes that you would like to share with our listeners. Would you like to tell them about your love notes? Yeah. If you go to my website, www.garysalyer.com, S-A-L-Y-E-R.com, there's a, you can just, it says love notes, two to four minute little videos that I've prepared. Some of them cover things in my book and they're very practical advice for singles and couples. Also some clips from Ariel Ford, John Gray, a bunch of people like that. One couple in Oregon, Said, said, just listing that, saved their engagement. They're both in their 50s, and now they're in a happy third marriage. And they Facebooked me and said, thank you for them. It saved our engagement. And you'll also see a page that leads to my book that's on uh, my new book, Safe to Love Game, where this, all this and more is covered, and it's also on the website too. So love notes, the book, all at GarySalyer.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been really great talking with you today and I'm sure that our listeners are going to get a lot out of our conversation so thank you thank you Robin it has been an honor yes and just so everybody knows that we will have Dr. Salyer's website on the show notes you can just go to the website Holistic Sex Ed Radio and click on the previous episodes and you will see a link there to Dr. Gary's love notes thanks everybody thanks for listening have a great day bye bye -bye. 
You've been listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us today. While these conversations may be difficult at times, the rewards are well worth it. We have the power to change the world by what we teach our kids. Join host Robin LaCrosse next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another thought-provoking conversation. Thank you and have a beautiful day.